So anyway, so I said, anyway, yes, I must tell you, <laughs> yesterday I leave here, yeah. okay, I go outside and I get the bus over at the bus stop outside the, the Garrick Theatre, which is where David Essex is going into, and uh, just so I get across, because I like to stand here and see if I can see the bus come around the corner of the 176. So the bus pulls in, and first of all, it got st- gets stuck in traffic, so I thought, no, I'll stand here and wait. Get on the bus, and the driver looks at me and goes, it is, isn't it? <laughs> So, Christopher Biggin. <laughs> exactly. You're Dale Winton. So, uh, so I went, I went, yes. Now, luckily, the bus was empty. There was only about three, three tourists sitting at the back. Anyway, all I can tell you is he's Portuguese. He's been listening for ages and ages and ages. Loves you overnight. Loves it. They're not allowed to listen on the buses. They no, get into no. trouble. Yeah. And I, the only reason I learnt all of this is because to get from this bus stop to the traffic lights at Trafalgar Square took in excess of 30 minutes because there was a plumbing accident. And so we were chatting about LBC. In the end, I thought it was easier to move up the front of the bus and talk to him, as opposed to shouting down the bus. Big LBC fan, big fan of yours. So there you go. Portuguese. He's about this big. I thought he was South African because he sounded a little bit South African. But he wasn't. I'm very honoured. You should be. Did you get a discount on your oyster? I didn't get a discount. Oh, you get it for free, though, don't you? Sorry? You get it for free, don't you? No, I don't. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> I wish... Actually, I've right, only got £39 credit on it. Must keep topping it up. I don't like it to go under 50 Bye, okay. Steve. Have a nice day. That Friday's good, though. I'm quite pleased about that. Long weekend for us. Sort of. Anyway, nice to be company, to have your company. Nice. Oh, dear, my God, Leicester Square was full of it this morning. I don't know what was going on last night, whether or not there was a, some party thing, but there's some bloke, there's some blokes having an altercation in the alley down the side of the building. So I always get out of my car, so I had Stuart this morning. And to, for the, to be honest with you, I can't remember if I've had Stuart as a driver before. I, I looked at them and I thought, I, have, I couldn't remember. Anyway, so if it's a nice comfy car, like a Mercedes, I do like to close my eyes in the back because I can sort of rearrange my life and my bank account. And I do that quite a lot. So I'm sort of sitting there thinking, we get here and he, he drops me off. I said, have a nice day. And he said, have a nice day, Steve. So I get out. And there's, there's an altercation going on in the alley. There's people going, I never said nothing to him. I never, what's he picking on me for? And you think, do you know, it's all drink. It's all drink related. So I'm quite grateful that the government have clamped down on, on people having these booze bits. What is it about the Brits that we can't handle drink? Why do we have to keep drinking until we get to a blip? I mean, I can happily sit down all day and moderate my... If I'm going out for the day and I'm going out, like on Saturday, and we will drink a lot, but it'll be social drinking. It's not sort of drinking to get drunk. In the clubs, they seem to drink to get drunk, and it, it kind of bores me a bit because they don't handle it very well. And then Richard... Hakia, the newsreader you just heard, came in and said there was some bloke on his bus who was sick all the way through the journey. He was sick. All oh, I said, oh, I'd have had to get off the bus. Couldn't have coped with it, I'm afraid. Anyway, the, the papers are full of it today. Christopher Casanova died. I was very sad about that. Unfortunately, everybody round here is a wee bit young and they don't remember Christopher Casanova, but I remember Christopher Casanova very well. He died of septicemia, which I think he picked up in February. And, uh, and he passed away, so our commiserations to his, his girlfriend and the, uh, the family as well. Very sad. Martina Navratilova talking about her, her breast cancer. Everybody's still talking about Dawn French. And apparently there's something called an election. It's amazing, though, absolutely amazing, how many of the columnists in the papers, including Kelvin McKenzie, are saying, I'm so bored with the election. Kelvin McKenzie has said in his column today, he said, if it's one thing I'm sick to death of, he said, it's electioneering. Because you know what's going to happen, and you'll hear it on LBC, you've heard it already, that they'll be telling you what you want to hear. 
And what do you want to hear? You want to pay less income tax, you want more policemen on the streets, you want to see less, uh, less youth crime, less mugging, safer for all... That you all, We all want exactly the same things. And believe you me, every single one of the parties will tell you that's what they're going to offer. And every single one of them will be telling bloody lies. Because they've been telling us for years. I can remember it going back 20 years. More police on the streets. Hello? Where are they? Where are they? Don't worry, it's going to be safer for older people. Excuse me, where is this? We've got more crime now. We've got more awful crimes. Like that soldier's grave in Dagenham, which Nick will talk about later on this morning. Desecrated. Who would desecrate a 19-year-old soldier's grave? What scum would do that? His mother said, if it takes me to my dying day, I'm going to track down who it is. Well, I'm with you on that one. And I should imagine every right thinking. Who would seriously go out and even touch anything in a cemetery? Who would ever go there? Do you remember there was that the animal liberation type people years ago, who dug up this woman's body and took it. What sickos are they? Jesus. And to, to, you know, to sort of, to desecrate a 19-year-old's body is just absolutely beyond belief. You know, I don't, I think hanging's too good for people like that. I can't think of anything else. And then there's a woman who's in her shop. Surprisingly, she's a white woman and she's got a shop and these three thugs come in, hooded up, and she said, you're not, this is my business. You're not, I'm not having it. Remember that poor Sikh man who was attacked by those kids who, who robbed him for cigarettes? I'd have strung them up as well. But anyway, it's me being rational this morning. And and she decides to confront one of them. Two of them leave the shop with a £1,000. And she's thinking, I've had enough of this. So she grabs him. Her partner grabs him as well. He gets at an iron bar, whacks around the head. Luckily, she's still alive. But she said, I'm not giving up. She said, this is my business. I work bloody hard for this business. I'm not giving up to scum like that. And that's what the, you know, whichever government gets in, hung or otherwise, they'll have to promise us. But it's no good promising us, because believe you me, to get your vote, they'll tell you every lie under the sun. Because that's how they win elections. And then when it comes to it, and it was, it was highlighted for me years ago, Do you remember the late Tony Banks, the sports minister? Tony Banks uh, was the sports minister, and he came in to do an interview with me at LBC. And I said, isn't it fantastic, Tony, you're the sports minister? And he went, pfft. He said, I've got no power whatsoever. He said, I don't have any power over the football clubs. I've got no power over anything at all. He said, the football clubs do what they like. And now it turns out today, and as if to highlight just how, how stupid we've become, what is the one thing that the papers pick up on? Gypsies. What is the one thing that people don't understand? They want to move around. I thought the whole idea was, I'm not sure what the term gypsy means, but I thought it meant traveller. I thought it meant you, you like travelling. Most of them seem to like putting down hardcore uh, in the countryside. One council has decided to give the gypsies interest-free loans of £50,000. Now, for, not bad for a group of people who claim that they're picked on, who actually don't live badly at all. They don't tax their vehicles. They don't pay tax. They don't, they don't pay council tax. And the council... They don't pay water rates. I don't know. I know. All the things that you and I pay, they don't pay. They don't, because, and also, in fact, it's, it, just, it just sort of worries me that this council are giving them £50,000, which they can then use to hardcore, well, they're in the hardcore business anyway, they don't need fifty grand, and then they will pay it back, an interest-free loan. My advice is, ditch your house today, go out, get yourself an old battered old transit, don't bother putting tax on it, don't bother putting tax on it, get yourself a caravan, start tarmacking drives, don't bother paying tax, and get fifty grand off the council. Because, frankly, there is no incentive to work in this country. I don't know why people bother working. You get far more by robbing. 
And in fact, if you do rob and you go out there and you cheat people, I mean, some people get caught, but the majority of people... Do you know that you actually get... You get more fines now for uh, a motoring offence than you do for robbing people. The fines for motoring offences are higher than they are for actually robbing people. It's amazing, isn't it? You can actually go out... It's worth your while. Yeah, far be it for me to say that with police officers as friends, but that's the way it is. And even police officers have admitted to me their hands are tied. You can't do things like that, because people go, I know my rights, you can't touch me, you can't do this. And that's what they've got to do in the election. And I'm not, and I'm not bothered whether they look good or whether they, you know, I want to know who's going to be telling the truth. And the answer is, they're all going to tell lies. Every single one of them will tell you lies. They will actually tell you what you want to hear. And we'll all vote. I'll vote. James Whale will probably vote. You know, loads of people vote. But you don't... We don't believe them, and stupidly, we still vote for them, even though we know damn well. And we always go, oh, lesser of two evils, you know. Lesser of two evils. And you've probably heard them already on LBC, and you think to yourself, oh, yeah, well, I mean, is that person... Would I vote for that person? Would I not vote for that person? And it's... It, I do find it depressing. I'm sorry to start on a, on a depressing note, especially... And I've got to mention this one, because this one drove me mad this morning. Uh, Jesse Wallace... It's worn, worn an outfit, OK, Jesse Wallace, who was Cat Moon, previously Cat Slater. Been away five years from Walford, all right? And um, they say that she's going to reprise her, um, her, her role again. And she said, I'm looking forward, I'm looking forward to getting, she said, into Cat Stilettos. I've missed her. It's you, dear. It's you. It's, it's not another person. It's you, all this crap these actors come up with. Oh, I'm getting for you know because I quite like that character. It's you, Pratt. Oh, they do annoy me. Morning, James. Good morning, Stephen. You're on your own, I hear. Do you know, I'm in a foul mood this morning. I'm really sorry. I can tell. Listen, before you go, I mean, I'm I didn't have any idea until I heard you mention that Christopher Casanova's died. Yes, yes. He wasn't very old, was he? No, he wasn't. He had septicemia, and once it gets into the into the bloodstream, that's it's 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 an awful thing to get, isn't it? He only I think he only collected it in February, and so it's it's been a, a short but well fought battle, as they say. Well, I met him a few years ago. I haven't seen him for years and years. He's a charming man. Yeah, charming nice, man. nice man. How are you? Are you all right? Yeah, it's busy on the M25. I don't expect to have to go through traffic when I get up this early. <laughs> Did you get my little present I left for you? I'm, do you know, I'm holding it, even as we speak. Oh, good. Oh, I'm, good. I'm actually I'm... feeling a bond with you as, as I touch it and lovingly caress it. Yes, to feel how ripped it was on the front as well. It's a little embossed. It's very embossed and it's very thick. I mean, I am yeah. impressed. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't realise I had so much in me. Well, no, I mean, well, I'm, well, I'd seen photos, but I didn't want to say. No, I left a little note in there with a photo with me in one of my acting poses for yes. you as well. And then it says, to, to Mr. Allen, I'm counting on you, Mr. Saucy. Savory. Can't you read my Oh, writing? Mr. Savory. <laughs> I thought it was but Mr. Since, Saucy. <laughs> but, but since, well, I know he's one of your friends with lots of money. He has got loads of money, it is true. And I realise he must be Mr. Saucy as well, seeing that he's in Thailand for a while. <laughs> I think for a month he's over in Thailand. I can't believe he must have more money than anyone we know. Well, I don't know anybody who is... I mean, the only person I know who is as a rich as him is you. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. And still working... And still working at our age, dear, when we should have moved on. Do you know, my, my neighbour Lynn has retired. She's retired at the age of 52. 
two. And I said to her, how have you managed to do it? She said, I've saved up over the years. So if we saved all of our money, James, we'd have been retired as well. Yes, well, I'm surprised you're not, because let's face it, you've had an interesting life, haven't you? <laughs> you you've, uh, you've not had to worry about children or anything like that. You should be loaded. Well, I don't like to talk about my money. It upsets the producer. If we start yeah, talking money, right. she gets very upset. Surprise! But then, <laughs> now, who are we to worry? Listen, I'll tell you what, I think this election is boringly stupid already. You can't, you can't be partisan, you can't say anything unless you say something about all of them. Yes. It's driving me insane. Well, it, I mean, the trouble... James, I've got to leave it because I've run late for my news, but what I'll do, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up with you again a little bit later, but you're absolutely right. You, that's why I try and do it all generically and go, well, they're all going to promise us this without mentioning anybody or names in the frames, because otherwise, there's stupid laws we have in this country. You can't do this, can't do that, can't do this. It just makes it boring for people. Quite right. Have a good day. Bless your heart. Love you. There you go, James Well, He'll probably drive off the motorway in about five minutes once I've delved into the papers, because I'm in a foul mood this morning. I don't know why. I was in a fairly good mood, and then I start thinking about some of the stories in the papers, and I can't... I get, I get quite upset by it. So perhaps the news will make me feel a little bit better, as it's now, and I do apologise, 17 minutes past five. <laughs> These are the headlines. A man who joked he was trying to set his shoes alight after being caught smoking in the toilets of a plane has been arrested in America. A hung parliament's looking more likely after the general election, according to the latest poll in The Times. And an operation to separate conjoined twin brothers should be completed today. Still no updates from Great Ormond Street Hospital on how it's gone. Let's have a check on the roads. Here she is. It's Helen Austin. Thank you very much. Well, that's... uh, There are... (laughs) I'll start again. There are... Morning, you're very nice to be company. 18 minutes past five. I watched a, a TV programme. You're going to see it tonight. I watched it yesterday. And it's very interesting. I'll tell you about it about quarter to six. And it's, the, it's this parent trip programme. Now, we've spoken about it on the programme because my friend Jonathan Levi is the producer. So he was the one who brought us Fern Cotton. And I was, I was not best pleased when he said... Uh, the first one is Abby Clancy's parent trip. Abby Clancy and her mum going to... can't remember where they went to now. Kazakhstan or somewhere like that. Whatever it was, they were going abroad to be with the gypsies. How apropos. To go and live with gypsies. And they have to learn to dance, but they have to live with the gypsies for however long it was. You can imagine, can't you? Abby Clancy. Oh, you're right there. You're right. That's what she talks like. She's Liverpool. And Mum's even more infuriating. So I'll tell you about that in a moment, because I know that he's going to be dying to find out how I got on with it. Honestly, the more I look at uh, Cat Moon or Jessie Wallace, I'm looking forward to getting back in her shoes. I've missed her. It's you, you stupid woman. Look in the mirror. It's the same person. It's not called acting. I don't know what... What is acting now? I don't know what acting is. I'm not looking forward to seeing her go back in there. I'm really not. But only because I never liked her in the first place. Oh, it's Grand National. What'll upset Sam Pittis. Grand National Day. And uh, they're expecting 150,000 punters at Aintree. It'll be all the badly dressed ones. You know, you see them there. Oh, got no knickers on, I can't believe it. Oh, good grief. It's an horse. Oh, I'm in another champagne. Hello, darling, love you. It'll be like that, won't it? It'll be absolutely... It'll be all the naff old footballers' wives. Colleen Rooney, apparently, is, judge, is one of the judges in the annual Ladies' Day style contest. The trouble is, there ain't no style. It's all these naff old wags who go to these very expensive shops. And I've said to you before, the, the shop assistants go, Oh, that really suits you. You look lovely in that, Colleen. That's lovely. £20,000, love. Looks great. Love it. Love it. Wear it again. Oh, that's really you. She looks crap. Oh, I love that outfit. Oh. 
Alex, Alex Curran, look, she's wearing one of our outfits. Oh, Alex, you look gorgeous. Oh, my God, she looks ugly. Oh, it's fantastic. Wear that, love. Wear that. That'll get you noticed in the place. And so they go out clutching all their cricket bags and everything else, and they think that they bought fashion. Unfortunately, what you can't buy, you can buy the fashion, you can't buy class. And that's what they've not got. Not one of them. Not Colleen, who's pictured on the front of a low magazine, looking like something. I can't begin to tell you what it looks like. She's got the big hoop earrings. Dear God, love, with your round face, big round hoop earrings, it does you no favours. No favours at all. But she's on there. And then on the front of... Who's on the front of, um... OK Magazine? Another dreary Jordan story, apparently. And, uh, and Alex who reckons she could be pregnant. Alex, of course she's going to get pregnant. She has babies with every man she goes out with. I don't know why you should be any different, dear. And then surprisingly, surprisingly today in the paper, guess who's at it like rabbits? Guess who is at it like ra- Even I was shocked. At it like rabbits, ladies and gentlemen. Five times a day. Five times a day. Who's doing it five times? Hello? Hands up. Certainly not me. Certainly not James Whale. Victoria Beckham. What? Uh, when is it? How is this happening, dear? Is this happening? I mean, do you not have to be in the same country to do this, or is this just in your mind? Apparently, she's she's exhausting David five times a day. <laughs> yeah, right, love. You must think we're stupid. Posh, who longs for a daughter, has set up a baby chart showing the best time to conceive. What, is this in between designing clothes? When does this... Five times a day? What, with his bad foot? Don't be so ridiculous. They're not even in the same country. Sorry? What... We need to, of course you need your foot, otherwise... Well, I don't know, I'm just assuming you might need your foot, depending on what... Well, I'm obviously you know, talking way out of line here, and I doesn't want, don't want to know anything about it. I'd rather move on to something else. Anyway, uh, Alex Hardman... Uh, Alex Hardman. Alex Reed, who they now describe as a telly hardman. <laughs> yeah, cross-dressing little strange boy who spends most of his time... Do you know he, he doesn't do fake tan? He's injected. He described to Vinnie Jones how he was injected with this tan. You know you can be injected, so the colour... Remember years ago, used, people used to take carotene tablets, and you would swallow it, but the, the, the thing that gave it away is the fact your fingers went all orange, and every extremity, so your elbows went orange. And you'll see it all at Aintree. You'll see all the badly dressed fake tan wags and, sl- and other people up there, all walking around, and they'll all look a little bit, a little bit peculiar. They'll look a bit like Abby Clancy's mum in this programme tonight. Because she's from Liverpool and, uh, oh, she's never been anywhere. Oh, I can't believe it. Oh, I'm going to, th- oh, I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry. All a bit like that. But anyway, uh, Alex Reed compared himself to Jesus the other day. He's even more stupid than you imagine. And uh, hinted that Jordan might be pregnant. Why would you need to hint, love? She can't wait to get pregnant so she can flog the story. You know, because that's what she does now. And frankly, you're just another one, love. Two years' time, you won't be there. Mark my word. I'll even put money on it in the bookies today. I guarantee you'll have finished. Because the arguments have started. She's following you everywhere like a little lapdop. A uh, little, little lapdop. A laptop. <laughs> She's following you around like a computer. <laughs> I've decided I want one of these uh, iPad things. I didn't want one before. I want one now. I saw it on the television the other day. I know. I didn't want one before. Because I thought, it's a lot of money, and I don't, I don't have a lot of money to play with. And then I thought, <laughs> what am I talking about? Of course I want one of these things. And my driver, Mohammed is going to get one. And, and I, I said to him the other day, I said, I'm not going to get one. But I've, just, I've looked at it, I want one now. And they're going to do it on LBC. They're going to do it on Petri's show tomorrow. And uh, I think Darren's going to do it. They've actually got one. It's not his. I could tell you who's it is. I'm going to tell you who's it is. Real, I'll bet in real trouble now. It's Ashley Tabor's. Our, our big boss has got one, and he's, he's got, he got it from America. 
And I thought, I wonder if it's in his office. I could go and nick it. And so Darren, I think, is coming in today to play with it. And they're going to do it on Petrish. Because nobody's, nobody's got one in this country, unless you bought it from the States. And Ashley's got one. I mean, how annoying is that? I want one as well. So I'm, I'm, I might have to buy one. Anyway, uh, poor old uh, Alex... Uh, was talking... He, he said, asked where, if, if Jordan, real name Katie Price, was pregnant. He smiled and replied, maybe. It's because you won't know, is it, dear? Because you're not bright. As I say, why don't you dress up as Roxanne? Actually, the good news is, the only decent thing I heard coming out of television was that... Who's that... Uh, it used to be the two interviews on the television. He's, he's got long hair and used to be with Alan Carr. Justin E. Collins said he doesn't want Jordan on his show. Thank God for that. First decent thing you ever said. You like Justin Econ, don't you? You like men with... You like sort of overweight men with long hair. Oh, you don't fancy him. Oh, right, I think he's funny. Hmm. I don't really think he's that funny, actually. I really don't think he's that funny. I'm not. I think he's about as, about as funny. Because he, he wants to open a bookshop, doesn't he? Because he's a bit dull. Yeah, he said on television once he wanted to open a bookshop. He's, he's quite happy to be out the limelight. I'm quite happy for him to be out the limelight as well, actually. I mean that in a caring way. I don't mean that in a in a bitter, twisted way or any or anything like that. I see the motorbike uh, Rolex gang have struck again. I must get a motorbike. It's the way to get a Rolex. No point in buying one of these things. I have to go there. I've been going there on a moped, you know, with sort of Domino's pizza on the back. High-speed chase. Steve Allen whizzed down the road on his Domino's pizza bike, overtaken by people in invalid carriages. Anyway, they, they, they smashed a window of watches of Switzerland and fled with eight Rolexes worth £75,000. However, the good news is one robber was later nicked and the loot recovered. Fantastic. Can we do what they do in other countries? Can we chop their hands off? You know, what is the deterrent for, for nicking now? There is no deterrent. There is no deterrent. I see that there's a girl in court the other day accused of murder. A girl accused of murder because she's a member of one of these gangs. I remember sitting on a bus in Oxford Street about two years ago and there was a group of girls walking down the high street with such a swagger. They were like, they were pushing straight through shoppers and I thought... Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You know, you'd love to be down there and go, oh, sorry, Mace. What a shame. Soon shut them up, doesn't it? But, uh, but there's no deterrent. Every other country, there are deterrents. Do you know, in, in Denmark now, they do not give benefit, unemployment benefit, to young people. If you're either not working or you're not in employment or you're, or you're, you're training at school, they don't give you any money. You get nothing. That time we adopted it over here. Any old slapper goes out, gets herself pregnant. Next thing, she's got a house. Every, and she doesn't work for the rest of her life. Why don't they get off their fat, lazy asses and get out there and do some work? Like the rest of us. You don't seriously think the producer likes getting up at, you know, three, four, five, whatever time she gets up in the morning. You know, half past three in the morning. Well, you can get ready that short, don't you? Well, I suppose. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She gets out, of, gets out of bed at ten to four. <laughs> Car goes at ten past. See, for her, fifteen minutes. Me, hour and twenty minutes getting ready in the morning. Okay, hour and twenty minutes. But that's the age thing. The older you get, the longer it takes you to get ready. I tell you, you know, you know when you go out and rob somebody, and I've said before that the sentencing is no, but the sentencing is very light. They don't. They just go, oh, you go to prison for three months. Darren Day uh, was he crashed his car whilst over the limit. OK, because he, he, he'd had a few drinks. Also, he got a caution for possessing a five-inch long metal stick known as a Kubatan. It's on his key ring, and apparently it's like a weapon. Five inches long. I don't know what it is. Anyway, it's one of these martial art-type things. But for crashing his car whilst over the limit, he got how long for a driving ban? Five years. Five years. I tell you, I mean, you, get, you get less now for going out and murdering somebody. 
admittedly could have killed somebody. He didn't, but I'm, I'm always the first to agree he could have done. But uh, the worst thing was that the, the prosecutor, because the case got off to a bad start, the prosecutor said to him, I understand you're something of a celebrity. Is that right? Patronising little so-and-so. I mean, I'm sorry, are you a celebrity? I mean, quite clearly, you'd have to be pretty stupid if you don't know who Darren Day is. And so, and Darren says, well, days are different. Some days you might get stopped and others you don't. I'm sorry, I understand you might be some sort of a celebrity. Stupid man. And this is the prosecutor. LBC. 23 minutes to six is the time. It's lovely to have your company. To have your company. Lovely. It's nice. And uh, where are we? Oh, yes, yeah, so uh, Nick Ferrari with five nominations... I think it's an all-time record, actually. I guarantee he'll, he'll not mention it once on the programme this morning. It'll be you who mention it. I see Amanda Holden believes in ghosts. Me too, love. Some of your performances have been quite interesting. Quite interesting. Uh, right. Uh, very quickly. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. So, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Still to come, I'll tell you about Abby Clancy's parent trip, which I reviewed yesterday. I was sent a copy of it yesterday. And, uh, and I watched it yesterday afternoon, and uh, I was incandescent with rage for the first two episodes. It runs for about 46 minutes, so it's what's commonly known as a commercial hour. It fits into the commercial hour with adverts and things like that. So uh, I'll tell you about that in a moment. I forgot to mention James Whale's book, which actually I suddenly realised it's such a good title, actually. Almost a Celebrity, A Lifetime of Nighttime. You see? People always say, you know, especially in radio, they say, oh, you can't make any money on, on the night shift. Oh, you can, believe you me. Oh, you so can. You know, people go, oh, it's the graveyard shift. No, only if you're dead would it be the graveyard shift. But it's uh, absolutely not. I remember once somebody writing to me, feeling very sorry for me, when I came off doing nights on LBC, doing four hours, to do two hours at breakfast time in the morning. They said, oh, you must have taken a pay cut. I went, why would you think that? Far from it. Far from it. As I keep reminding Anthony. Anyway, is my very good friend. The word on the street is composting at the moment. And the word in the studio is Nathan Morley. Ah, good morning to you. My bus driver right. likes you. Sorry? My bus driver yesterday liked you. But he's, Does he he's, really? Yeah, he, he's actually Portuguese, so it probably doesn't count. Then he's a man of fine and refined taste. He I is. I know. This yeah. is the first time, actually, in weeks we've had a chance to just chat between the two of us, because Paul Savory's not here today. He's, he's away in Thailand. Oh, goodness me. Yeah. Goodness me. Uh, th- th- I don't know why he goes after all these far-flung foreign destinations where the food is questionable and the entertainment is also questionable. Well, it isn't some of the places <laughs> he goes to, it is true. I, I know, <laughs> I know. Thank God he's not, he better he'll be listening online. <laughs> no, I should imagine, if anything, he is fast asleep in bed. Tucked well, up. I don't know what time it is in Thailand. I mean, oh, it's middle of the day there, isn't yes. it? I think they're about six or seven hours ahead. Yeah. So no, he's he probably... Tanning his knees on the beach. No, yes. he, he doesn't do beaches. He, ha- he has a flat out there, so he, he doesn't... They don't do beaches. He'll, he'll, he'll just go and... I don't know what he'll do, actually. Well, what's the point of going? <laughs> well, it's a, it's a rest, isn't it, I suppose? Well, is there something I'm missing? I don't know. Yeah. I, well, you go to I, Finland. I, yes, well, my brother lives in Indonesia, and oh. uh, he's lived there for many, many years, and he says, look, come over, we, we'll, I'll take you to Australia, we can do lots of, you know, trips around... And I, I, have, I keep saying, I'm just not interested. Aisha just is not on the Morley radar. I'm, I, I, am, I am such a European. Yeah, you are a little I, bit. I love the continent. I am, just love Europe, and I have no desire to leave it. You know, I'm happy to uh, do places like Austria and Sweden and, mm. and uh, all of these kind of Portugal, uh, right down here to Greece. I, I love this 
this continent. I think we're so blessed oh, to live in the most beautiful part of the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, everywhere I go, I like going to. I always think I'm just grateful that, you know, I can go out to places. Even even Paris I liked. We went over there for a day. We had a nice day in Paris. Mm. Vienna I know very well indeed. Finland I've mm. never been to or expressed an interest in going to. And I think you went up to the north of Finland. Yeah, but I didn't really... We, I'd, I'd rather tell people it's the Arctic Circle. <laughs> I don't like to tell people we were actually in Finland, even though we were with Lapish people. Yes. But well, uh, we were in the, inside the Arctic Circle. The Lapish people are a bit odd. They're very tough, these Lapish. They're ve- and they don't but... smile. No, well, they don't smile anyway. <laughs> well, they can't. It's too cold. You know, you, if, if you smile, your face is frozen like that for the six months of the year. It makes you look a little bit, bit nerdy. Yeah, I've, n- I've never actually been up to Labland, and I... I because my mother-in-law comes from up there. She comes from a town called uh, Coca-Cola, which is on... It's not actually Lapland, it's a little bit south of Lapland. Uh, and I've never ventured up, because I, uh, the last time I was in Finland in the winter, I think it was minus 40 or something, and I was so ill, I said, you know, if I went up there, I would probably die and come back in a box. So oh, It I'm, is, I'm, it I'm, is I'm, lovely, that. I mean, uh, uh, the, the scenery up there when we went is just stunning. I mean, it's yeah. like somebody has dusted it with icing sugar. It's it's like going into the Austrian countryside, out into the Tyrol. It is mm. just beautiful. The air is so... Be- everything... Even a sausage tastes good. Yes, you're, you're absolutely... I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with you, and I think that possibly you are, like me, uh, just a European. Just a European just who loves his than you, continent. Nathan. Sorry? I'm just taller than you. Well, everybody is taller so than I'm not me. like Even you at Paul all. Daniels. <laughs> Even <laughs> Paul Daniels is taller than me. <laughs> <laughs> I spoke to Debbie Reynolds the other day, and she's five foot two... Oh, the, the, the Debbie Reynolds. The Debbie Reynolds. Oh, you lucky... How did you get a guest like that? Well, she begged to they... be on the show, and eventually I gave in. Oh, wow. well, I, I'm very envious. I'm, of, well, of course, then again, saying that you appreciate that, those old pictures as well, those yes, old films. I so, do, absolutely. So, because I, 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 I come from a generation where if somebody was a star, they were a proper star, not some old tramp who's turned up on a reality show. They were proper, proper people who had a talent that went on. You know, most of these people now. I saw uh, Jodie Prenger turned up mm. the other day on a cooking programme. Mm. Oh, it was ghastly, the appearance. You know, lovely for Blackpool, love, and serving fish and chips and <laughs> scampion chips, but don't waste your time on my television ever again. It was just an embarrassment. I don't know half of them anyway. I exactly. mean, I have, this sy- I have this system here, and it has British television on it now, and I never watch it. Never watch it. I have ITV and Channel 4 and all of these. Mm. And, the, you know, the only British channel we put on here is Sky News. Yeah. Uh, That's the only one we flick on, and, and the rest of it I don't understand. It's either cooking shows, reality shows, some tit narrating something or other about uh, <laughs> chav families. I've got no idea what's going on. I mean, I'm so severed <laughs> <laughs> from the UK. Yeah, there was, like a, there was a cooking programme this morning, and it was with that John Tourette or whatever his name is. I can't remember his name. John Tarode or something. Whatever it was. And they're, they're with these people in the kitchen, and they're cooking for the WI, and he's going, come on, come on. And I'm thinking, if I was that cook, I'd be turning around saying, would you shut up? We're making a television programme. Stop being so <laughs> stupid. I'm sick to death I, of cooking programmes. As far as I'm concerned, chuck them all in the oven and leave them there. I don't know why there always has to be a clock on these cooking programmes. I've never actually seen an emergency situation where yeah. something needs to be cooked in a certain amount of time. I've never had anybody uh, rush out the kitchen at Burger King and say to me, your burger, it's going to be hours, <laughs> it's going to be hours. <laughs> Chef's just burnt the salad. 
<laughs> in Cyprus, we have the slowest fast food shops. Of course. And every time I go into McDonald's, I, I may as well make the thing myself. Yeah. It's easier. <laughs> it's easier. In Spain, it's always the same. Manana. Manana. Okay, can we eat today? Manana. Okay, you know, and you sit down and somebody... It, it's almost like the Victoria Woods sketch where she wanders out the kitchen and she go, and they go, what is the soup today? And she goes, I'll, I'll go and just find go out. and find out. <laughs> 20 minutes later, she's back at... She, I've forgotten. <laughs> you think so it's when, like that. Uh, don't, uh, don't uh, let me forget to ask you, when is Debbie Reynolds going out on the air? I have to uh, listen. I'm not sure when that's going. Bank holiday, first one in May. First bank holiday in May. Bank holiday in May, excellent. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tune in because I loved... In fact, she made a film with Fred Astaire. She did. Um, I can't remember what the... the, the I think it was... Oh, crikey, uh, it's gone from my head. Well, she did the very I, famous Singing in the Rain, of course. Yes, with, with, uh, well, that was just the film. Yeah. The film, but uh, Fred Astaire was always my my bag. I loved his stuff. I'd love I, to have met him. He, he he made a film in London, actually, Fred Astaire, with his uh, sister. They came over, um, and I think it might Adele. have been called... Yes, I think Adele and him came over. They were, they were a double act, and they came over and did did London. And that's the very famous scene in the film where they took them ages to work out because he's in a room and he dances up the wall... Uh, yes. And over the ceiling and down the yeah. other side. And people go, how did they do that? And, of course, it was oh, well, quite they, simple. They, they, the room, yeah, the room revolved. Was a, yeah, the room, the, 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 the producers turned the room around yes. on, a, on a huge wheel. That's right. And uh, because a lot of people think he was in London for Royal Wedding, which yeah. was um, uh, another biggest uh, picture. But that was all filmed in Hollywood as well. But he did, he did play on the London stage quite yes, a lot. I he mean, did, yes. in, uh, So he was back and forward there, but... Oh, I, I can't get enough Fred Astaire. Funnily enough, I, 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 you know, grew up with Fred Astaire movies. Not that I was actually a child in the 1930s. No, <laughs> you were quite old by that time, weren't you? <laughs> yes, by the 30s, I'd already got to, to mid-age and was, and was conscripted into the, into the services. And so was shaving and everything. I mean, but oh, I, also, God, yes. I, I also like Fred Astaire. The only thing with Fred Astaire is he always looked old. In every film, he looked old. So when he did Easter Parade with <laughs> Judy Garland, she was off her yeah. trolley on drugs. <laughs> and, uh, and he was sort of, you know, welcome, walk down the avenue. And, oh, love, yeah. oh, love yeah. that stuff. Love it. Oh, well, yeah, he was born in 1899, Fred Astaire. Yeah. Uh, um, I'm not even Googling here. This is all <laughs> somehow lodged. This is lodged <laughs> in my head. He was born in 1899. And, um, uh, he was bald, bald, I should say, from the age of around, I think, uh, 20, 21. Yeah. So it was that kipper hairpiece he used to wear yes. all the time. And, and did everything in one take. Everything in one take. He, he rehearsed his dances at home. When they filmed, he did it once. He was like Sinatra. Sinatra only recorded at night and only mm. in a studio. A few invited people in. He'd sit down there with his, with his cigarettes and his whiskey and they'd sing and they'd just lay down the tracks. And that was the yeah. way that it worked for, for Fred Astaire. He did exactly the same. Although Debbie Reynolds told me that uh, her, her co-star in Singing in the Rain, Gene Kelly, was a real taskmaster. Well, he has a dreadful reputation, and yeah. obviously I've never met the man. Uh, well, I never will. No. Uh, well, but he might, one time, sitting on a cloud. Well, yes, I, you know. Do, 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 do. I, I, but the thing, I have read in certain texts in the, sh in the you know, these bi autobiographies biographies which are produced, that Gene Kelly was a horrid man to work with. Yeah. And now, I don't know that. I mean, that could just be someone who's got a grudge with him. Who did we um, have? Did we have Jack Buchanan? Was that our Jack version? Buchanan was British, and he was with Fred Astaire in That's Entertainment. Yes, what a great... Well, in fact, Debbie Reynolds features in That's Entertainment too. 
Uh-huh. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, have, have, you, have you got the box set of That's Entertainment? I, I will have That's Entertainment. I, I don't know, actually, I don't think I have. No, I, I remember... I, uh, that's Entertainment with Jack Buchanan and, um, uh, and Fred Astaire. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 uh, simply teeming with sex, the gay divorcee who... Yeah, I, I, can't, I haven't seen that for years. Great record. Oh, look at that. I'm putting it on my list now. And you know, the other thing is, funny, because I'm, I'm glad to hear you like Fred. Because uh, I, I, I kind of have a, my list of things to do. I want to go to, to Los Angeles and see the old RKO Studios oh. in Gower Street, Let's where go. they made these films. Let's go! Let's put this on the agenda... Yeah. And go. I'm we up for that. We can go, because you're, you and your heart, I can probably get, probably get you half price on the airline, because we can get oh. your child seat. <laughs> 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 so we can save money there, and if you don't yeah. eat a lot in the restaurants, we can save money there. Yeah. So and that's... you could just smuggle me under the gate at RKO, Absolutely. so we to get in. <laughs> and then we can sit down of an evening with a couple of bottles of Pinot Grigio, and you, you can have a fizzy drink, and a packet of crisps, and we can watch some of these great big movies on the big screen. It'll be like Sunset oh. Boulevard from Greece. Oh, Uncle Steve, I'm so excited. Well, there you go. You know, don't say <laughs> I don't give you anything. <laughs> no, no, you give me hope. Well, uh, you, you give me something to look forward to. But you. like broken Britain, you don't deliver. So... <laughs> <laughs> Is that you, then? It's unbelievable. You know, all of a sudden, that little Scottish person crept in again. And I was watching him on Prime Minister's Question Time yesterday, which is my favourite show of the week, and uh, I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was brilliant. <laughs> uh, I, know, I know we're not allowed yeah. to talk about elections. But, of course, but, uh, I think they all look brilliant. I like Cameron, I like him, I like the Lib Dems, I like all yeah. of them, because we have to balance it. So yeah, they I They all look I... good. They're all fabulous. Fabulous. Really, Every single one really of them. But I'm telling you now, I'm bored whipless with it. It's going to drag on for days, this. And at the end, as I've said before, all you want to hear is the right things. We don't want to pay as much income tax. We want drink to come down in price. We want the streets to be safer. We want England and Britain to be what it was. Thank you very much indeed. That's what I want. Well, there we are. And that was a uh, party political broadcast on by Steve of the Allen. Steve Allen bewildered party. <laughs> <laughs> Please join Vote us today. Steve Allen. Vote Steve. He knows the way forward. Listen, I have to leave it there, but I'll, yes, I'll, I'll just finish with, with a lovely line from John in Greys. who says, yeah. my missus told me to buy something to make her look sexy. So I bought myself 12 cans of lager. <laughs> I hope this missus ain't listening. <laughs> I hope she is. But my other favourite was, was the mother-in-law joke, which was voted one of the best ones the other day. My mother-in-law came in and she said, I've decided I want to be cremated. I went, good, get your coat. <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. Mother-in-laws across the country turn off now. Absolutely. <laughs> Goodbye. Anyway, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs> yes, indeed. Have a lovely week. Bless your heart. Bye. Bye, now you go. Dara. See you on the silver screen. 14 to 6. These are the headlines. A diplomat's been arrested on board a United Airlines flight in the States after sparking a bomb alert. There were fears he tried to set fire to his shoes, but it's now believed he was just trying to smoke in the toilet. A British soldier's died after he was shot during a gun battle in Afghanistan. His family have been informed. And interest rates are expected to stay at their record low of half a percent for another month when the Bank of England makes its latest decision at lunchtime. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. Helen Austin. Thank you, Steve. The M3 has reopened. Morning, everybody. 13 minutes to six. Bryn and Annie, thank God for Steve Allen. Sanity and sense in the world of broadcasting. I'm fed up to the back teeth with electioneering. That's what Kelvin McKenzie says in his column today. And you'd have thought Kelvin would have been the first one 
to say, you know, how much he was enjoying. But I don't think people do. I think you become a bit, a bit long in the tooth and a bit jaded about it. And all we want to hear, it's the same things we want to hear. Lies, as, uh, as, uh, as Bryn and Annie say. Statistics, vacuous rhetoric, unkeepable promises for a load of no-hopers mouthing bucket loads of hot air with absolutely no substance or truth in it. Because they'll tell you what you want to... That's how they get the vote. It's like, it's like being a salesman, isn't it? You say, you know, you really must buy this piece. This is the best piece of paper you'll ever buy. Look at that. That is, you can write on it. You can fold it up. You can make something interesting. This is the best bit of paper. And then you get it and you go, but it's a piece of paper. And you go, but it's the best piece of paper. And so you feel as though you've been cheated. He said, uh, I'm so glad to listen to your open and honest diatribe. Roll on May the 7th when it will all be over and our fate will be in the hands of another bunch of people. Exactly. He says, keep up the good work. All the same ones, yes. Well, they can't all win. Somebody's got to win. We don't know who it is. We've got no idea. But uh, somebody will win, and we'll all go, oh, right, them again. Or them again. Or them again. Because that's what you have to do every time. Or, or them for the first... Oh, it could be them for the first time, them, them for the second time, them for the third time, them repeat, whatever it is. Put it this way, it's going to be somebody you know, OK? It's not going to be somebody from the planet Zog. It'll be somebody you've seen on television or heard on the radio. On second thoughts, maybe somebody from the planet Zog might be listening at the moment and might want to have a go at it. Wouldn't it be funny if... The, I mean, I just, I mean, I'm just sort of look at it and I think, do you think they sit down there and they honestly believe the stuff that they, that they say? Do you think they really believe it? Or do you think after... Because I tell you, to be an MP now, it's got to be one of the best jobs in the world, isn't it? You get loads of money, you can bring in the family, you can do all sorts of things, and all you have to do is tell lies. Crikey. I could get a job as a radio presenter if this keeps up. Excellent. Anyway, he's now going to make Annie a nice cup of tea. It's, you're, you're better off where you are, I suspect. Uh, Steve, who's irritated you today? Cutting and venomous. I love you even more when you're vexed. I'll tell you what it is. It was, it was reading in the paper about the desecration of that grave of that 19-year-old because I equated it to if it had been in my family and somebody had desecrated a member, I would go around and I would personally strangle them because I don't understand how anybody could do anything in a graveyard. But then, strangely enough, uh, I, I got myself a bit worked up yesterday. There's a new programme. It's on tonight on, I think it's ITV2, and it's called Parent Trip. Now, you know all about it because we've talked about it on the programme. It's got some of your least favourite people. And the one tonight is Abby Clancy. Abby Clancy is going out with... Peter Crouch. Abby Clancy. He talks like that. I'm oh, sorry, she didn't talk like that at all. Anyway, she's from Liverpool. And uh, she goes to um, India, somewhere. I can't remember where it is. It's, it's immaterial, but she goes with her mother. Her mother has never left the country before, quite clearly. If she has, she's only ever been to Spain. They've never been here. And the idea is they go over there and they go and live with the gypsies and they learn how to gypsy dance because they're going to a big festival and the more money... The, the, the better they dance, the more money the gypsies earn, and that keeps them going for the next year. For two episodes of this thing, because it's a four-parter, I'm, I'm texting backwards and forwards. The mother is the most useless under the sun. She cries. She can't use the toilets. They, they, they don't talk to anybody out there, because all these blokes are standing around in this gypsy encampment, and they're just staring, because they've quite clearly never seen these sort of people before. Bleach blonde, loads of mascara, and this is in the blazing heat, and they've got camels, and, oh, I've got a camel, <laughs> And we have this whole drama, whereas the, the, these gypsies are getting on with their life. By episode three, I was, I was just about ready to turn off the television, because I'd had quite enough of Abby Clancy and her stupid mother. Abby Clancy, who quite clearly has never done a day's work in her life, because she was exhausted riding a camel. She said, I don't know how they do it. 
must not talk like that at all, Asia. But, but it's, whatever it is, when you first hear her voice, you'll think, oh, God, you're infuriating. Peter Crouch is on there. He looks a bit of a dipstick as well. And the mother, I mean, it's, it's just, uh, just awful. By the third episode, they're turning it round, and they've grad- they finally, it's finally hit them, because this whole programme is about bonding. It's about children bonding with their parents. Because, believe you me, people don't. They, they drift, no, it's all one, one programme tonight. All one programme. It's just, it's split into four, four quarters. So it's, it's, yes, yeah, so it's a four-parter, four but it's all on one, one night. And, um, and so you watch it, and then they suddenly get it. And they suddenly start realising, and it's quite genuine, and, and they're going, they suddenly realise that there's, there's, there's one of the dancers there, she picks up a foot infection, and she can't dance. Now, if you can't dance, you don't earn any money. If you don't earn any money, the family are going to starve, and they exist on very little. And they've suddenly realised, Abby Clancy and her mum, that they've got everything, and these people have got nothing. They've got nothing. Whatever you've got... It's a million times more than they've got. And they have to take this woman. Luckily, if they, if, if they weren't there, this woman would probably not have gone to hospital and probably would have died because nobody can afford the medicine. So they take her into hospital. She gets given an injection with a dirty needle. And Abby Clancy says to the man, how oh, they understand a Liverpool accent, I've got no idea. She goes, is that needle clean? I think that's Birmingham, actually. But anyway, what, you get the gist of it. And the bloke goes, I've wiped it. And she goes, she's been injected with this needle. Anyway, they bond with these gypsies. They bond with them to such an extent that it becomes a life-changing experience. And it's not fake. It's actually quite, quite genuine. And by the end of it, they, they really felt quite sad that they were leaving them and this was their life. That's what they did. They were nomadic. They had their, their camels. They, uh, they had to... I mean, at one point, they didn't want to use the toilet. They were frightened when they were climbing into a tent because she went, somebody could stab us. They've obviously never lived outside in, you know, no, no, no super, supermarket or a nail bar within miles. But at the end, they turn it round and they were offered bread, but they cooked the bread on cow dung. I mean, how else? You're in the middle of a desert. There's nothing out there. There's no trees. It's not, should we nip to the local Texaco garage and pick up some firewood? So that, and she went, I can't eat it. They didn't want to use the toilets because the toilet was literally a hole in the ground. But at the end of the, of the trip, it becomes quite revealing the way that mother and daughter see each other, and they they formed a much closer bond. Everybody should do it. You should always go away. Unfortunately, some other people I don't like, but I'll probably end up liking by the end of it. They've got Larry Lamb and his ghastly son, George Lamb, and a few other people. So the first one's tonight, Abby Clancy's parent trip. And I'm assuming they all run... To, uh, the whole programme is tonight, then next week there'll be another programme. Because it, it's, it's very... I'll, I'll give it to the producer. You must watch it, because it's, it's, it's quite interesting. Because for the first two episodes, you hate these people. Because they're not making any effort to go... Sorry, parts. Well, no, they're, they're down as episode one. That's how they, they call it. Yes, well, it, yes, well, well, episode, well, anyway, so I'm not arguing with you. I'm telling you, it's mine. Right. I'm not lending it to you now. It's pound if you want it. Pound. It's like Ryanair. You want to go to the toilet? It's a pound. OK, I'll watch it on telly tonight. Yeah, I'm taking your telly away. Uh, Les says, will you be doing any more live shows? This is live. It's not Memorex. This is live. I promise you. And uh, Daniel in Redhill, there's a traveller living near me who actually taxes his vehicles and everything. You sound surprised. <laughs> I know some travellers as well who tax their vehicles, but a lot of those who live on the sites don't tax their vehicles. And, and the police don't go anywhere near them. I don't, they're just terrified. Uh, Connie says that uh, Krista Casanova helped somebody in a bar- has helped somebody in a Barclays bank uh, near Clapham High Street. Did he live in Clapham? I have no idea. No idea. But he sadly passed away. 
And uh, poor Sue is feeling frazzled after driving one hour to hospital yesterday, waiting till 5.55 for, for a 3.20 appointment, only to be told the scan results are not back. I should return next week. So what happens in hospitals, we're a little bit, uh, little bit chock-a-block in the, uh, in the hospital department at the moment. Uh, weird to think, says uh, Paul in Manchester, that Christa Casanova passed away a week to the day from John Forsyth. Both, of course, in dynasty, or as the Americans call it, dynasty. He says, on a brighter note, your Liverpool accent's gone a bit wonky. Sounds a cross between Amy Turtle from Crossroads and Beryl Reed doing Cynthia, the girl with adenoids. <laughs> where are the inset pictures? I don't know where the inset pictures are. Are they? Oh, she's she's not bought the proper lead for the camera, so you have to wait till it's just a bit of a drama at the moment. Okay, let's not make a big thing about it. Uh, Steve, can you wish all those from the Newgate Club, City of London, all the best for their fundraising dinner tonight in aid of Selly Oak, which supports the families of the. Uh, Injured forces tonight. Hope we have a nice dinner. Always like a good dinner, actually. And um, Paul Savory says, we're in Bangkok. This is in his, on his Twitter. Due to the political situation, many places are closed, so we're off to Tokyo for a week. I think he's also doing Vietnam. He's never been to Vietnam, so they're going to do... And I've, I've warned... Oh, the producer's been to Vietnam. Of course, you would have been, wouldn't you? Living in a paddy field, I should imagine. Yeah, you lived in a paddy field. OK, yeah. Fed out, I'd have pushed you over in a paddy field, I tell you. It's getting on my nerves this morning. Uh, Dennis says, it's about time somebody voiced the opinion of the working classes in the UK. It's so true what you're saying. My brother-in-law had a job, had the same mortgage as me in the same area, got made redundant for the job he had for 15 years, went to the DSS, they're now paying his mortgage for him, paying his council rates and giving him 150 quid a week to spend. He never had so much money. He's now lost the will to work. They make it too easy for people who can't be bothered to get off their bottoms and get a job. It's true. Take it away. Just take it away. That's what I think. Take it away from people. They'll soon get out there and work. Or as I've often said to my boss here, if you made everybody freelance or contract, you'd have no illness. Because if you're ill, you don't work and you don't get paid. So it's an incentive. That's what you don't find me being ill. Not very often. I've, I've really got to be quite serious. Four days was the most I've had off in my life. Worst four days of my entire life, I'm afraid. Uh, Steve, the iPads have got these problems, which we've heard about in America. Well, we're gonna, we're, they're going to be reviewing it tomorrow on Petri's programme. I want one now. I've decided I want one. I've, I've, just, I've just decided I've got to have one. I didn't want one before. Now I want one. Funny that, isn't it? And I must thank, is it, uh, is it Jeff from the Great British Circus? who has sent me their latest DVD to teach me how to juggle. And if Corin and Tony are listening, uh, I'm still struggling with it, but I'm hoping that the thrills and skills with the great British circus uh, will actually help me. So he sent me a, a lovely letter. Thank you, Jeff. It says, P.S. Love the show. This is our latest DVD, and it's got a great juggling section. Well, as you heard the other day, and we talked to George Irving, not only do I love uh, fun fairs, but I love circus. I could quite happily go and buy a caravan tomorrow and just and just join up. I wouldn't have an act. Well, I have got sparkly jacket. I could be a ringmaster. I could be a ringmaster in the circus with my sparkly jackets. I haven't got any talent, but I can shout and I can introduce acts. It's a career. We all make good decisions and bad decisions. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's LBC 97.3. Thursday morning in London town. So thank you, Jeff, very much indeed. From the Great British Circus. It won't help with my juggling, I can tell you. I'm going to be as useless as I was last year and the year before and the year before uh, that. So well done to everybody who got nominated for a Sony Award. I didn't get nominated for a Sony Award. I'm not bitter and twisted. But, I mean, at Global, we did phenomenally well. 
I mean, we did phenomenally well. I mean, I've never seen so many nominations. In fact, I should imagine the management must be absolutely cock-a-hoop. I think uh, uh, Sony's record has been broken by Nick winning five nominations. Uh, the winner will not be announced till the 10th of May. It's a long time to wait. It's a long time. But uh, they've got Breakfast Show of the Year. And they've gone to, uh, well, Nick Ferrari's nominated, 10 million plus, And they've got the Galaxy Network of One and Classic FM have been... No- Everybody's been nominated. There's just so many people nominated. Nick's got, I think, Best Speech Programme, Speech Radio Personality of the Year, Speech Broadcaster of the Year, News Journalist of the Year. James O'Brien, speaking to Frank Lampard, gets Best Interview. Uh, station programmer goes to, to Paul Jackson for, for Capital. Uh, branded content, best... Si- There's just so many things. So many things. And uh, they've just got, you know, tons and tons and tons of nominations. So everybody's very happy here in the building at the moment. They'll be breaking open the Wincarnis later on, I shouldn't wonder. Uh, the motorbike gang, get a Rolex, says Steve. On a moped, you'd end up with a Timex. <laughs> at least they got caught. At least we got them back. Do you know, what is it about people and Rolexes? £75,000 for eight Rolexes. Cracky. Uh, and Lynn says, whatever you do, because you're in a bad mood, don't watch Michael Caine and Harry Brown. It'll give you far too many ideas. And, uh, Steve, I think Darren Day has been done before. That's why he's got a, a long ban. Speaking of someone who knows firsthand what devastation a drunk driver can cause, I do believe he got what he deserved. I know, I, I, I've always said, if somebody's done for drink driving, I've got no sympathy at all. I'm afraid you, you get behind the wheel of a car and you've had drinks, you could kill somebody and not even know about it. And uh, I, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. Uh, Jason in Ascot says, You'll never get rich, the Astaire film. Thank you. And Faye says, You remind me of Frasier. Anyway, you're both brilliantly funny. That's good, isn't it? And, uh, and Ray in Barkingside says, At last, somebody else who takes exception to George Lamb too. Deeply unpopular. Nobody likes him. I've never met any, anybody who is as universally unliked as George Lamb. I thought he was dreadful on Channel 4's Big Brother thing, and, uh, d- d- <laughs> dreadful. And James says, I'm off to Darkest Somerset for two days with no DAB radio, so an iPod full of your podcasts. Ha! Steve, have you seen the diesel prices? I've just paid £1.24, and the government say they're doing all they can to help the public make financial ends meet. Yeah, right. It's ridiculous, the price of petrol now, isn't it? I mean, it, it, petrol, diesel, the whole... Blooming lot of it. It's just so it'd be cheaper very shortly to employ my auntie Enid to push the thing. In fact, I might even go for that very quickly. Okay, let's look through some of the papers and uh, and annoy ourselves with some of the stories in there. Uh, Kevin Maguire, incidentally, is doing the uh, the papers for Nick Ferraro this morning. Plus, they're doing this soldier's grave devastated by vandals just two weeks after he was buried at a cemetery in Dagenham. I mean, it's just just. Makes you want to cry, I'm afraid. And uh, I'm glad you mentioned Debbie Reynolds, says Warren and Gina, because we managed to get tickets for the press night on the 29th of April. Debbie Reynolds is at the Apollo. It will be sensational. It will be sensational. I cannot emphasise how fantastic. And uh, if Nathan Morley was in the country, he'd be booking tickets as well to go and see her, because I think she's going to be fantastic. From just judging by our conversation that we had the other day, and that goes out 1st of May, I think, uh, the bank holiday there, you're, you're here. Just, just wonderful, wonderful woman. Just wonderful, wonderful person. Um, stories of the paper today, it's boozed up British students. First of all, it was uh, Ayanapa, and uh, now they've gone to a Spanish resort. They've gone to the Costa Doradan town of Salou for a second week of drunken debauchery. Absolutely amazing, isn't it? It's, it's, the, it's the non-handling of drinks. It's people not being able to get drunk or drink sensibly. I suppose, in, in a way, the French have it right, because 
I mean, I, I always blamed our archaic laws where, you know, come ten past ten, ring, 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 and somebody got quick, what do you want to drink, what do you want to drink, quick, they're going to close, quick. And so you get, uh, we'll have two, two double, vo- and so people binge drink at the end of the night. Whereas if you just said, listen, if you can drink normally, as indeed the French do, children have wine with meals, and, uh, and nobody worries about, oh, quick, you could, because you can go and drink at home. But around Leicester Square in the early hours of the morning, at four o'clock in the morning, it's full of drunks lurching around the corner being sick. And you think, and you think you've had a good night. Very tragic. Very, very tragic. I see the AA are going to go on strike. God, blimey. What are we into now? The summer of discontent again. The AA going on strike. Hello, I've got a flat tyre. I'm terribly sorry. We're out on strike at the moment. Thank you. I'll move to the RAC. That's what you've got to do. That's what you've got to do. And then they'll start laying off a... I've never heard of anything like it. Going on strike. Over what? Apparently, it is the first walkout in their 105-year history. Must be a union leader desperate from a set, uh, for, for some attention on his picture in the paper. They're furious over plans to cap pension payouts, which could lose them thousands of pounds. No strike dates have yet been set. But uh, unless the AA bosses hold talks, the union have warned. They were, the union have warned. Ooh, naughty. That's going to go ahead. They say it could bring chaos to the 15 million members. Well, you just transfer to the RAC. I'm sure they'd welcome new business. As far as I'm concerned, you know, you start messing around with things like that. I'm going to go, listen, I'm not going to risk it. It's like British Airways. Are they going on strike? I don't know. Let's fly somebody else. You know, in the end, cut off your nose to spite your face. These people don't, don't realise it makes a, makes, a long, makes a long sort of journey quite, uh, quite short. There's a, um, a story in the paper today of... Um, Ten years on Corrie, Jack P. Shepherd, who plays uh, troubled David Platt. I've also thought he was a tre- I never liked him as David Platt anyway. But ten years on there. He's 22 now. He lives with his girlfriend in real life, and they've got a baby. They're not married, of course. Nobody's bothers getting married anymore nowadays. So I must be very old-fashioned. I thought people... I thought, you know, you sort of got married, went out for a time. Like, a bit like Prince William. You know, you go out for seven years, split up once, and then you get back together again. And the rumour has it that they're going to get married this year. Although... I might disagree with that, because I've never known a royal wedding in an election year, because you can't have two bits of publicity. But his, uh, his parents got married in the November, and Diana as well. Uh, I think that was, a, that was a November. Was that November? I can't remember when it was, actually. God, ages ago. But, uh, but they're saying this could be the year. They've been going out for seven years. You know, I mean, how much longer do, do people have to wait? Because people get quite worried, don't they? They Because people need some reason to celebrate. So it'll either be the election or it'll be uh, William's wedding. And to be honest with you, I, I think we are, we are due a wedding. I think we're due a royal wedding. I don't know if it happens very shortly. I'm always delighted when somebody gets uh, jailed for being a fraud. And I do like Penman and Summerlad in the Daily Mirror. And they're talking about a man here whose name is Neem Mohammed. He's a fake faith healer. What he does is, and he's just been jailed, uh, is that he actually uh, tells people that uh, if you give him money, he, he will pray for you and things will happen. One couple handed over £9,500 to him after he said that his prayers would help them have a child. He's a crook. He's a fraud. Uh, one woman paid £1,300 to help get back with her boyfriend. And when that failed, Mohammed demanded another £1,800 and threatened to send a spirit to destroy her family if she didn't pay. So she paid. I know, but you do get... I know you're, you're querying sending a spirit to destroy her, but there are people who believe this kind of thing. They re- and they will... They, I know, a vile man. Luckily, he's been jailed. I hope in prison you get your, uh, your comeuppance. I'm sure you will. Uh, he actually drove a Bentley and a Ferrari. 
A crook, of course, of the First Order. I don't believe any of that old rubbish. And also, if somebody's got a gift like that, you give it for free. You've been given it, you give it for free. The moment you start charging, you enter my realm. And when you enter my realm, and if I discover you're fraudulent, which 90% of them are, you get exposed, I'm afraid. And luckily, the Daily Mirror have done that today. Quarter past six is the time. With headlines, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. A group of MPs is warning big changes. LBC 97.3. Morning, every 17 minutes past six is uh, the time. I don't know, there's all sorts of crooked people in the paper today. There's a crooked ex-Lloyd's bank manager who fleeced his family and loads of other people out of money. There's a picture of him. It doesn't look at all like a bank manager. They look, I thought they looked different from that. But he's just been sent to prison. And now there's a crooked clergyman who raided his stepdaughter's bank account and forged his wife's signature to, uh, to steal £13,000. He's in Norwich. Uh, he's a rector of, I think it's called Reapham. He's going to be forced to quit. His marriage has failed and uh, they've imposed a community order and 200 hours unpaid work. You just send him to prison. What's this community rubbish they're giving out to people nowadays? We don't want that kind of thing, do we? We want that kind of thing. We want people to go to prison. Crooked vicars. Good Lord, it gets worse and worse. Uh, also in the paper today, Lenny Henry is getting over his marriage woes by learning to sing the blues. This finished in October, if not before that. It finished ages and ages ago. So uh, let's not worry about whether he's singing or whether he's not singing. Let's just leave them to get on with their life or uh, what's left of it. They have to get on with it, and I'm sure they'll do very well indeed. Um, another, oh, I, I mentioned the, uh, the motorcycle uh, people have been caught as well. And uh, there's a, a bloke here, a granddad, Roger Sutton, who's being evicted for housing. How many dogs at his semi in Whitney in Oxfordshire? 38 dogs in one house. Like a television program, isn't it? Absolutely like a television program. Roger Foss is uh, with us. Good morning. Good. Mo- Do you know, honestly, I talked to. I'm, I'm telling everybody about this. I talked to Debbie Reynolds yeah. the other day. <laughs> I know. Wow, oh, dear. I mean, just it's like Hollywood royalty, but so so charming. I'd love to have been there and heard this. When, when is it going out? It goes out. I think it's the the bank holiday in May, the first bank holiday. She she starts at the Apollo on the 29th. Twenty. Yes. Yeah, she's touring at the moment. Yeah, she's touring at the moment. And, I mean, she's just... She's 78. She looks 50. She looks 50. Really? Did she talk about all uh, her Eddie Fisher and yes. her movies and yes. and all Everything. of that? And... She did impressions oh. for me. She no. uh, she sang for me. She does loads of very very good impressions. She does Catherine Hepburn. She does oh. Gregory <laughs> Peck. She she does everybody. Oh, that's fantastic. Lots of energy there from somebody way into her 70s, isn't she? No, just 78 now. 78, yes. Well, 78. there you are. It's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, really, kind of really positive. lovely. You know when you meet somebody and you think, I've met somebody quite special, I can see her on the silver screen and here she is in person. She doesn't look any different. I keep thinking of her as well as Tammy. Yeah. You know, well, not as Tammy, but Tammy in Love, that amazing song. And also a friend of mine was saying that... Uh, uh, he rem- remembered seeing her at the Palladium when she was over here last time. Yes, that was the last and, time. That uh, was in the 70s. She, that was in the 70s. And she made her first entrance on a great big neon sign of her name, uh, <laughs> which flew down from the, from the flies. <laughs> well, I know she's wearing a gold dress for this. That's all I can tell you. It's a gold yeah. dress. But she looks fantastic. Oh, how marvellous. And I've sat, oh. you know, within two feet of her. Well, in fact, I kissed her. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, yeah. I always yeah. do that with my guests. Well, you see, the thing is that you are actually talking to somebody who is one of those survivors from the golden age of Hollywood in that period just after the war 
when uh, all those big musicals were being made at MGM. Well, and, she talks uh, about the uh, the studio system of giving vitamin shots to the stars, so people like Mickey oh, Rooney dear. and Judy Garland were given vitamin shots because yeah. you couldn't afford to have a film slow down because there were 200 people working on it and they, they didn't want to take time off, so they kept them going and most of Judy Garland's career was spent either on uppers or downers or in-betweeners. It was certainly not glamorous at all. No, when, no yeah, glamour. It, yeah, was, yeah. it was hard work, the studio system. How she came through it, I've got no idea, but she did. Yeah, well, there you are, you see. There's, there's, uh, and, of course, she did um, Broadway shows as well, and yes. really never stopped working. So no. I think that's a great kind of... Um, I don't know, it's, it, it's sort of positive, isn't it, when you meet or hear about people. Mm. It doesn't matter if it's show business or not, but they, they go way beyond retirement age, and they carry on. Yes. They and, just and she don't sews, put their feet up. Yeah, but she has no sign. There's no visible sign of her slowing down. She said to me, she said, if mm. I actually stop working, she said, I'll die. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, she, she it's loves all her work. Part it. of your life, yeah. Yes. The work goes with you, doesn't it? Yes, and she um, meets people after the show. She doesn't. Uh, she's she's certainly not backwards at coming forward. She goes out to meet people and she uh, she chats to them and have pictures taken and stuff like that. Well, I can't wait. Me neither. I can't wait. Me neither. Should be great fun. Well, I think Good. that you're just about ready for your close up because following the early departure of <laughs> Shirley Jones. Yes, another, another connection with the Hollywood of yesteryear. Mm. Shirley Jones vanished from the arts theatre, didn't she, very quickly. But uh, it, it, talking of Hollywood glamour, we, we've got a play that's arrived at the arts uh, called Wet Weather Cover by an actor, Oliver Cotton. And it's all... I mean, if you ever think of going on location and making movies and the glamour of it all and how fantastic it must must be, mm. well, this is the complete flip side of it. It's... Um, it's, it's two actors stuck in a trailer in the Spanish mountains. It's raining. They're, they're cut off. They're waiting. And, and in fact, they've, they've got to sit in this trailer as they, they are the wet weather cover. So it, it, if it rains, then they have to go on and do the scene that, that they've been rehearsing. So it's all about sitting around waiting forever for your moment. <laughs> and I suppose Oliver Cotton, being an actor of many, many years' experience, is obviously writing from knowledge and from having gone through all this. But um, it really is, is, is another side of the world of movie making. And, and, of course, it's fantastic in a way for looking back a bit because Michael Brandon plays one of the actors, the American actor with a big ego, the size of California. And, uh, and of course, uh, uh, Michael Brandon, Dempsey, Dempsey and Makepeace. So um, there's a nice bit of nostalgia there, too. <laughs> and I guess Michael Brandon has been in one or two of these trailers and sat around and got involved in got basically what you see in this play, the two actors absolutely going at each other, hammer and tongs, because they're so bored, yeah. <laughs> waiting, hanging around, waiting to go on. And, of course, it's that thing where you, you, you might have waited for, for all day, for your one shot, but when you get up to do it, it's got to be absolutely perfect. Oh. So, I, I mean, it is, it, I, I enjoyed it because it was interesting. Not only that, I sat next to David Suchet, who's one of my favourite actors, so mm -hmm. it was a great evening, really. And Michael Brandon is very good on stage, I must say. And I found it interesting, too, because it's directed by Kate Fahey, who is Oh, Jonathan uh, Price's yes, wife. Jonathan Price's wife, yes. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Making And she's never directed anything before, so let's hope she does another play at some point or another, because yeah. quite often actors do make good directors. Yes. And, uh, and so this uh, uh, is um, the flip side of 
all that glamour you were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Which is never as I glamorous as people think. Sad news about Christopher Casanova, of course. Oh, I know, yes. That's very, very... A bit of a shock, actually, isn't it? Yes. I, d- I knew nothing about his, um, his illness, and, uh, um, and that's gone on for some time, I think. So it must have been a terrible time for yeah. him and his uh, family. But, yeah, so that's, um, that's a, a, a great loss. Nice man, but, uh, nice, nice man. This week you're uh, you're off out again because we now know that you're off down. Are you you're going to you going to see Mira Sayal? We, we talked to the the old man the other week on the program. Did you? We talked to Sanjeev Bhaskar, <laughs> and she's doing Shirley Valentine. I know, I know. <laughs> this is this is actually great because you know Willie Russell. I, I mean, it's the, the writer of the longest running musical in the West End, Blood Brothers, which goes on and on and on and gets better yes. every time you see it. Yes. Um, and doing fantastically at the moment with, with Mel C in it. Um, now, the, the Many a Chocolate Factory in South London is the home of West End hits because shows go on there and then they seem to automatically go into the West End like, um, oh, what was it, the uh, Sweet Charity, which is opening soon. But um, they, they're doing a Willie Russell season. So two plays, uh, Shirley Valentine uh, with Mira Sayal and Educating Rita. Uh, with um, an, an actress that I've never seen. I don't think Laura Dos Santos, who actually did Educating Rita on the radio with um, Bill Nye, but uh, is now doing it on stage with Larry Lamb. Wow. You were talking about Larry yes, Lamb. Yes, we were talking son. about him earlier on, actually, <laughs> yeah. and his son. They're doing this uh, program where they've gone off to do something the other side of the world. Yeah, well, so I think this is a great thing to do, actually, because these two plays aren't surprisingly seen that often in the West, certainly in the West End or in the off-West End. So the, mm-hmm. this is really the first big major London revival of both of these plays. I wish they did Stags and Hens. Stags and Hens? I don't know that yeah, one. Yeah, that was another Willie Russell one. And, uh, in fact, it had... Oh, God, what's his name? Who was, in, who was in Blood Brothers at the beginning who played Mickey? Con, oh, uh, Con O'Neill. Con O'Neill, well, yeah. he was in Stags yeah. and Hens, I'm pretty certain. And it was a, a group of uh, girls and, and fellas meeting at a disco for their respective stag and hen nights. And it, it sort of came out, and it was fantastic. And I keep wanting them to revive the blooming thing. Oh, yeah, and the other one, of course, is uh, John... Was it John, Paul, George... Ringo and Bert. Uh, Ringo and Bert. Yes, Bert. I remember That's that one. Yeah. That had Barbara Dixon in it, I think. <laughs> Barbara Dixon, all coming from... Liverpool, all these plays yes. in the 80s, at a time when Michael Brandon was making Dempsey and Makepeace. Yes. <laughs> I was the first one that she told that she was having an affair with Michael Brandon. I was the first really? one. Because I said, I said, there's something going on there. And she went, yeah, we are an item. Oh, Glynis Barber? Yeah. Loved Glynis Oh, really? Barber. Oh, well, yes. yes. Yeah, they were great, Lovely actually. couple. Yes, yes, and still are. A bit like sort of Sooty and Sweep, you know. Can't they, you know, they make a great couple. <laughs> they go on forever. <laughs> Sue and Sweep. <laughs> no, it was Sue and Sooty. <laughs> sweep never got I a like, look in. Well, I guess she was there last night at uh, the oh, art theatre, but uh, I, I didn't actually see her. I was too enamoured with sitting next to David Suchet, I think. <laughs> you, you star person, you. Yes, I know. Well, the thing is, that I, I would say David Suchet is one of my favourite stage actors, yeah. certainly. Brilliant, of course, on telly and, and movies and things, but um, such a powerful stage actor. Mm. And, and I wanted to say something to him, and then I thought, no, I'm not going to say anything, because I actually had met him a couple of times in the past when I'd interviewed him for various magazines and things, and, of course, he, he forgot. He didn't, he didn't recognise me from that, but then 
you know, um, actors are meeting people, interviewing them all the time, aren't they? But I never I thought, get well, recognised. I might as well dye my hair purple. It's the only way they're going to go, oh, yes, you with the purple hair, because otherwise I'll just look no. like everybody else. Roger, I've got no. to leave it there. Oh, all right, so next week it's hair. Sorry? Hair, hair is open Oh, oh yes, of course, yes. Yes, yes, not my hair, but it's all that... Uh, Aquarius and good morning sunshine. Back to the 60s and lovely. the hippie hippie shake. And take your clothes off. All <laughs> lovely stuff. Have a nice week. <laughs> OK, Steve, thank Take you. care. Bye. Bye. There's my man Roger Foss in the front seat of the theatre, especially for hair. London's biggest conversation. Well, in the horse racing, uh, we're not, not going to have a tip today because, sadly, Sam Pittis is, uh, is not very well. So we, we've sent him home. We've sent him home to, with a hot water bottle. But I can tell you, Alex, because uh, today sees the start of the Grand National Meeting at Aintree. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm... Well, I'll, I'll tell you what I've got in a moment. Yesterday, however, Cabal was second for Alex. He lost £2. He's still in profit, though, for £24.15. Uh, Sam's quest for success was fifth out of eighth. Total loss, £7.15. So today, uh, Alex has gone for the 4 45 at Aintree which is the Nightingale, win only, which is, uh, which is not favourite, actually, but it could be, a, could be a good price. I'm going to go for something completely different. Alex has got the 4.55 at Aintree. I'm going for the 6.20 at Wolverhampton, Zalkani. Is that, now, I've just picked that myself. I have no help from anybody at all. I've just got a feeling in my water that that is the one we're going to go for. So, the, <laughs> excuse me, the excitement, the 6.20... <coughs> Wolverhampton, Zalkani. If it wins, we're going to put bunting up in the building, I suspect. But uh, good luck to both Alex and myself for that. For tomorrow, and hopefully uh, Sam will get better very, very soon. Noreen went to see the Manfreds the other night, formerly Manfred Mann. Paul Jones wished Brian a belated happy birthday. Always great till coming home, she said. Major detour due to cones. You know what cones are? They just put cones up everywhere, and you get them. What are they there for? I think there's an outbreak of cones everywhere. And I'm glad you got back in uh, in one piece. Talking of one piece, he's probably in about five pieces by now. I'm very, I, I got up this morning, there was a little bit of a tear in my eye. It's, con- it's conjunctivitis, I think. And I was looking on my phone, I thought, I'll, I'll have a picture on there from Rick, Rick Kelsey. And and there wasn't any picture picture on my phone from Rick Kelsey. So I thought, maybe maybe he's sort of fallen off his bike again. Having run over the snake yesterday... I don't know, animal hater. And uh, here he is today, but a little bit sore, aren't we? I don't think you'd want a picture from me today. I feel like I've been in a fight. <laughs> I quite like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what sort of fight, though? A fight with what? We have reached Santa Maria, but I tell you what, it's been a gruelling, gruelling day. We did 85 miles from Cambria to Guadalupe, which is kind of like... A small town you might expect to see in a spaghetti western, mm. kind of like tumbleweed rolling down. We got there. It was getting really dark, and we were about 10 miles out, and uh, we, we've only got a couple of lights between us. We thought, we've got to get to this town quick, and, and it, as the light was completely drawing in, and we couldn't see anything. And, of course, um, I've got so many flies stuck to my sunglasses, I can't really see where I'm going anyway. Oh. I tried to take them off, but my arms are only just about working still after 76 miles. And... Um, we got into this town, Guadalupe. Um, on, you've never seen anything like it. It was just like a, a Midwestern film set. Um, and there is no motels, no hotels anywhere. that You can't stay anywhere. The nearest town uh, was 15 miles uh, in any direction. So we're just thinking, you know, what, what on earth are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this Guadalupe town? Um, but good old Dan and Carol, we found them on the high street. They picked us up, four bikes in the back, 
and took us to Santa Maria. On the we back of what? We've, in, well, in, in some kind of big ute. Well, you just allowed yourself to be picked up by a couple of strangers. Basically. Who've we loaded your bikes in the back and whizzed off. We Where are you now? Santa Maria. We're in Santa Maria. Oh, my we found God. A, we, found, we, found, we found a motel in Santa Maria, but what a day, Steve. What a day. I did see some quite funny things today, though. <laughs> you haven't killed anything, have you? No, no, nothing today. No, right. no snakes on the road. Oh, we did see a, we did see a <laughs> warning for uh, this is a rattlesnake territory at one point today. Yeah. But, uh, no, I haven't, I haven't ridden over anything today. Um, I saw today, we were driving past the church, and there was a sign outside the church, and it said, Free trip to heaven. See inside for details. Aww. Which I just thought was brilliant. I mean, I actually, you know, I would have gone in, but uh, they were going too far, and there was no one-way stop for Mexico. And yeah. uh, so I decided to leave it, but that was quite amusing. And oh. that was just before we got lost. Um, we took a 12-mile detail down to a lovely beach, and then um, Andy, one of the guys I'm with, he got a puncher, and then he fixed it under a tree. We went about three miles up the road. He got another puncher. Oh. And I was, I was thinking, well, you know, once, you know, fair enough, twice, unlucky. Another three miles up the road, another puncher. No. Thinking, yeah, three punches within, within, this is within about an hour. And when did it dawn on you were, in fact, driving over broken glass? <laughs> <laughs> you would have thought after the second one you'd kind of twig to this. Well, no, I mean, after the third, I was just like, you know, that is so unlucky. And the, you know, the poor guy is like, you know, he's just, you know, so demoralised at the state of his bike that he spent a fortune on. And I spent a couple hundred quid buying it off, um, secondhand off some fella down in Camden. Um, and... <laughs> yes, but he'd only just pinched it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, about 20 minutes later, he gets a fourth puncher. Now, of course, this time, oh. I just think this is just hilarious. But I didn't tell anyone because, of course, the mood then was pretty low. So I just had to send a text uh, to a friend back home. And I was just, well, it, the poor guy, I knew he was in a complete state. Um, and I was just like, I cannot believe that the guy, the guy who spent all the money on his bike um, has, the, uh, has the fourth puncher. But you know what? He got through it very well. And uh, he's sitting on the bed next to me now. And uh, he, he, he's sore, but he's happy because he's got two new special time, puncture-proof time. I've never heard of anybody with four punctures. I mean, that I must be worse than an act of God. Four punctures, yeah. all within the space of, what did you say, Andy? Two hours? Two hours, yeah. Four punctures wow. within two hours. So. And how, how, just a matter of interest, just cha- changing the subject briefly, how, how is your, uh, your athlete's foot? Um, it's, n- it's not too bad. I've been using the spray, um, but yeah. I've, I've, I've started using disposable socks. As in, I, I'm, oh. I'm, offlo- I'm offloading stuff now. Every, right. Every, every, every 80 miles, I'm just getting, I'm getting rid of. So I'm using socks and then I'm disposing them because. Yeah, you must. I, th- I think when you actually sort of wash your feet at the end of each day, yeah, you must, well, you must really, really dry them properly, and then you must put the cream or, or the spray on. Yeah, but they're not, they're not looking too bad because because of the fresh um, socks. Scenario, and I have been basically. I've been offloading stuff, Steve. Now, yeah. every every fifty miles, just get the pack lighter because the panniers. When I started out, at about forty six liters, so about twenty three liters on each side. Yes. I mean, I've got them down to about, I'd say, about thirty liters. Now. I mean, I've been getting rid of a t shirt at every stop. Oh. I'm down. You know, I'm down to two pairs of undies, two t shirts, shirt, and, and, uh, <laughs> and and some lycra. Uh, the this, still this, 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 this poor lycra, this much maligned lycra. It is, it is the same lycra you're wearing all the way through. You haven't taken spare lycra. I've, I've got one pair of lycra shorts and two pair of lycra riding tops. Right. Um, one of which needs washing before I head, head off to bed tonight. But yeah. Um, as far as pack-wise, I mean, 
clothes. I've got about six different pieces of clothing. You don't need that anything else, do you? Heavens above, you could do it topless. Down. Well, of course, I've still, you know me, I've still brought my eye cream and my, uh, <laughs> my, my moisturiser, <laughs> my Vaseline. What, what's, the, what's the other stuff that we were using, the, the, not the Vaseline stuff? Oh, the chamois butter. Uh, the I chamois think, uh, butter? The what do you do with that? <laughs> well, no, the, the chamois butter, that, pre- that, um, that prevents the friction. Yes. I think so, less said about that. Listen, I've had yeah. an awful lot of uh, people inquiring about how they make a donation, because you're doing this for charity. You're not doing this for fun. This is, no, this is no, for charity. No, we're not going from Marin County to Mexico for fun. No. Uh, no uh, we have a Just Giving page. Uh, it's Just Giving slash uh, Nick and Andy. So, so Just Giving. Is that www.? Dot just Giving. Dot? Nick. Right. Yeah. Nick and Andy. Nicola, so when it's, it's, we get this right, www.justgiving.com or...? Justgiving.com yeah. forward slash Nick and Andy. Okay, Nick and you, Andy. You can tell I didn't set that one up, did Yes, you? I can tell. <laughs> is it Nick and A-N-D or is it the and sign? Uh, it's Nick, A-N-D, Andy. Right, okay. What we'll do, we'll actually put, put that on our, on our blog today. Yeah. I shall write that yeah. up later. Yeah. And, uh, put the dump. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, some, someone else, of course, set that up. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I am in control of the maps tomorrow. Yes. So it's my job to get us from um, where we are now, Santa Maria, to Santa Barbara. So our aim tomorrow is to head down to Santa Barbara. And I think, was Santa Barbara, I think that might have been the birthplace of skateboarding. I, I think. I've, I've no idea. You know, I, I I've, I've never been on a skateboard in my I, life. Well, I think I vaguely went into an American accent. I'll come back sounding like Josh Stone. No, <laughs> <laughs> yes, but with marginally less clothes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, can you imagine the flight home? No, not LL. really. I don't want to be sitting next I, to you, honestly, put it I, that way. I don't know what, I don't know what I'm going to sit on that flight from, um, from, from, um, from San Diego to London. What, <laughs> what am I going to wear? <laughs> well, I'll put it away. If people are donating enough, you can go and buy an outfit or something. Yeah. So when, when does all this finish? Well, hope aim, aim is to get there by well, your time next next Wednesday. So right. That'll be. Well, we're, we're about we're about nine days into the trip now. You know, I've lost. I've lost. Yes, track I know. Of the even day. I've lost track of it. So, what should we do? <laughs> well, should we speak to you on Monday? Yeah, well, and give you a chance maybe, to sort of catch up. Maybe catch up at the end of the week. Maybe catch up at the end of the week. Or... We are at the end of the week. Are we? Yes. Um, like I said, completely lost track. Yes, of we, we are at the end of our. I don't know what week you're on. We're at the end of our week. <laughs> They, they always, they always. We we'll do it. We we'll do it Monday with you. Okay. We always say before we go to bed. What, what what's the plan for tomorrow? And everybody just looks around at each other and goes, cycling. Yeah, exactly. And we all go, oh no. Well, I'm expecting yeah. some. Uh, I've, I've instructed the producer to pass my private phone number on to you, and yeah. you can send me some pictures later on today. Well, we will. Uh, we'll make sure we get some more to you. Um, it's been, it's, it's been a difficult day, but yeah. we head on to Santa Barbara. We head on. Absolutely. Onwards and upwards, Rick. Thank you very much indeed, Steve. All right. Take care. Have a nice rest. Will do. Good night. Be good. Bye. There he is. Rick Kelsey, who's uh, cycling in America. They're raising a lot of money. They're trying to raise £5,000. I think they were practically there. And they're doing it for, uh, for people to get checked for heart defects and for, for young people and things like that. So we don't have any more of this uh, sudden death syndrome. 
And uh, so that's a nice thing to do it for, isn't it? Nice thing to do it for. I mean, you wouldn't find me... Say- he, actually, he's the least successful at the cyclist. He's the only one who's managed to keep his tyres intact so far. Um, Colin says, with regards to Prince Charles's wedding to Diana, it was 29th of July, 1981. How could I have forgotten it? How could I have forgotten it? And Stuart went to see Debbie Reynolds in Las Vegas. Fantastic and great impressionist. As uh, is apparent on the interview, she, because I had no idea she did impressions. I really had no idea she did impressions. And she de- gave us loads, and she sang to me. And you'll hear that on the bank holiday in May. But she's uh, in London for 12 performances only from the 29th of April. It's going to be quite a busy two months, isn't it? Apparently there's an election around the corner. Unreal. Quarter to seven. <laughs> News headlines, Chris Rogers. Good morning, MPs are calling for... A- Nick Ferrari this morning with you after the news at seven. Talking about the proposed national insurance increases continuing to dominate the headlines and uh, we'll be looking at where the different parties stand on the issue. Plus that soldier's grave, which I got so annoyed about at the beginning of the programme this morning, desecrated by vandals two weeks after he was buried in Dagenham. I mean, just absolutely disgraceful. And uh, they're talking about uh, the M&S results with uh, Sir Stuart Rose. Plus the middle classes, do they enjoy more intelligent comedy to prove they're culturally sophisticated? No idea. And they'll be talking to various people uh, who are middle class or upper class. And Justin Urquhart Stewart apparently is upper class. Heavens above. Now you know. Actually, I, I was invited today to the launch of a book, How to Be a Better Cyclist. The good news is it, 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 I was invited to uh, City Hall for coffee and pastry, which I quite like the idea of. But sadly, I'm not a cyclist, otherwise I'd have uh, nipped down there. So uh, in the racing, my tip was the 620 at Wolverhampton, Zalkani. And it was the 455 at Aintree, the Nightingale win only for Alexander. Uh, what else is happening? So, all quickly, let's just go back to the, uh, the papers. Um, because I forgot to mention at the beginning of the program, I should have mentioned it earlier on, Martina Navratilova, who's fighting uh, breast cancer. That makes a lot of the, uh, the papers this morning. There's uh, the election. And also uh, the government. I blame them, says the brave spinster who scared off the girl knife thug. And luckily, Jessica Parry, the mugger in question, has been jailed, which is good news. Honestly, there's more and more of these people out there. More and more of these dreadful, dreadful bits of pond life. Dreadful. Uh, it's outrageous, says Stephen in Liverpool. What about your nominations for Sony? I, didn't, I don't go for nominations. We leave that to the big boys. Um, another one here. And uh, it says, uh, Road Wars on TV will really wind you up. Um... Steve, I employed a driver who was 72. He was like a man of 45 doing his job. I told him to go and enjoy life. He worked enough. Last week I went to his funeral. He was 74. I felt guilty for telling him to stop working. Dean says, I've just finished watching the Duchess of Duke Street series. Krista Casanova was in that because uh, he passed away. Our commiserations to his family. Also, the, uh, the two firefighters, uh, James Shears and Alan Bannon... I looked at this uh, this fire, they were on the, I think, the ninth floor, and they saved lives but lost their lives in the process. Uh, talking today, Virginia Blackburn says, uh, did no one tell Gita Gerant and Anka Unisik, you remember who they were, don't you? They were the uh, the people who turned up to the plane with a dead body. And she says here, did nobody tell them there are restrictions? Knives are a no-no, as are metal nail files, screwdrivers, bottles of water, liquids and gels over 100 millilitres. Corpses aren't listed, but then again, neither are nuclear bombs. Gita and Anke are under investigation for allegedly trying to smuggle the dead body of Gita's husband, Willie, onto a flight to his native Germany, something they strenuously deny, saying he popped his clogs in the airport. 
They may be entirely innocent. Surely no one could be quite that dumb. I mean, it does seem odd, doesn't it? I mean, that is the most peculiar thing ever. That was a story yesterday. Everybody was going, he was dead. I went, yes. I mean, they were going, he's sleeping. And they'd actually primed the, the children to say, you know, this is how granddad sleeps. Hmm. Right. Here is the uh, disgraced bank manager, Jason Benham. Do you know, you look at him, he looks like a thug. He doesn't look at all like a bank manager. But he plundered accounts, I'm afraid, to the tune of thousands and thousands of pounds. In fact, he stole from 48 customers, including his aunt, who lost 43,000. In the end, he took 300,000 pounds. That's from a bank manager. I just suppose if anyone's going to know how to do it, they would. And he went to, uh, went to prison for four years the other day. Do you know, I was watching a programme on telly the other day which had out, uh, not outtakes, it had mistakes in movies. And one of them was Spider-Man. And there were all sorts of mistakes. One of them, in Spider-Man, the same extra appears in four different scenes, walking across the back, a girl with a sack on. In another one, he is in his bedroom as a child, and he sends out all his spidery things and pulls the lamp off the wall and it smashes to pieces. The next time you see him, the lamp is restored back in the corner of the room again. There's all sorts of these things. And somebody obviously spent hours going through all the different clips of movies. And it's amazing what some of the glaringly obvious things... Are. One of them was uh, set in the war, and it was an advert for something that hadn't even been invented on one of the war. And nobody thinks about this. They, suppose they pay people huge amounts for continuity, and then they just, they just screw it up at the end of the day. Surprise, surprise. This will appeal to the, uh, to the ladies listening at the moment. The average woman spends more than eight years of her life shopping. I would think that was... But the trouble is, what is... Do you have to spend money to go shopping? Or can you just... My mother used to window shop, which I used to get really annoyed with, you know. So we'd go past and she'd see something and you'd go, Oh, right, that's... Oh. And then she... Mum, do you want it? Uh, let's go and have a look up... So you go up to another shop and you think, Yeah, but by the time we come back here, they might have sold it. So my, my motto is, if you see something and you like it, buy it. Because all this window shopping... I mean, you have to talk yourself out of it. The producer talks herself out of things. Because she sort of stands there in front, you know, she, she's like the little match girl. She's got a little box and she strikes a match and, and she sees all the food and everything else that other people have got. And then and the match burns out and all the food disappears. So she stands in front of a shop window and she lights the match and all of a sudden all the clothes in there and the shoes are hers. And it's in her wardrobe and then, then the match goes out and it's all back in the shop window again. So she doesn't end up with anything. You have to talk yourself, I do that as well. I go into a shop and I look at something and sometimes I have picked stuff up walk around with it, and then I go, and I just put it down somewhere. I think, I'm not going to buy it. Because in my mind, I've bought it. And I sort of think, and then I sometimes I go home and think, what have I done with that thing? Like, oh, I didn't buy it, did I? Today I've got to go and buy socks. Rick Kelsey was talking about his socks, and he's got into throwaway mode, which I do all the time, as you know. And uh, I've got to go and buy socks today, because I've, the only socks I've got at the moment um, are... Um, Socks that I think my brother's daughter bought me for Christmas, and they've got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday on them. Not really sure I can wear socks like that, but it's a thought. Uh, Shirley Tease says, I saw Debbie Reynolds at the Palladium in the 70s. Amazing. And over the years, I've seen just about everybody. She really stands out. Natural comedian, apart from singing and dancing, very funny. She's, she's I mean, she's wonderful. Wonderful. You know, when you get the chance to talk to somebody, and you think, you're a pro. You're a pro. She says, in those days, you didn't have to take out a second mortgage to see the big stars. The, uh, the film, The Unsinkable Molly Brown, role made for her. Way back, I saw Eddie Fisher at the Palladium. She was in a box and stood up and took a bow. That, of course, was pre-Elizabeth Taylor. And uh, on another tack, there was a film of stags and hens. But for some reason, the title was changed to Dancing Through the Dark. 
It had Colin Welland, Mark Womack, Trisha Penrose of Heartbeat fame, Willie Russell himself and Claire Hackett. Con O'Neill wasn't in the film, but was on the soundtrack. And it's available on VHS for seventeen ninety nine. but you can get a US import region one for only £61.99. Shirley, I wish they'd put it on television. I hate it when they... When they I mean, I'm not going to spend £61 on a DVD, much as I like it. So, Dancing Through the Dark, you're right. I couldn't uh, remember. Early tip for the Grand National, says Wendy. Steve, creosote, seven to one. Very good over fences. OK, it's an old... I don't, I'm, not, I'm not big into the National. I just look at all these ghastly people up in, up in Liverpool wearing the most atrocious fashions. And the Aintree, isn't it? The Nash, yes. What's Liverpool, isn't it? Aintree? Isn't it Aintree? Yes. It's, not the Grand National. What did I say it was? The, the, the Grand National's at Aintree, isn't it? What's Liverpool? Aintree at Liverpool. Where do you think it is? You stupid woman, honestly. The Grand National is in Liverpool. Well, it's, put it away. Put it away. All the old things from Liverpool are trotting out their last year's fashion. That's what they, that's what they do there. I'm pretty certain they do. Pretty certain. I mean, it's, otherwise you wouldn't get Alex Curran going, isn't it? Is it Cheshire? Is it Cheshire? They're not sure now. She's got confused by the whole thing. She got really confused now. Now she's really angry because she's confused and annoyed. And there's nothing. And also, she can't buy any shoes today. So, so we're getting it triple. And also, yeah. So she can't do anything like that. Whereas I might just go out and buy some heels. And, you know, just for the sake of buying heels, just to say I can do it. <laughs> do you know what you're all doing at the moment to get away from the miserable weather we've been having? And God knows we've had some miserable days. Although today is not one of them. We're uh, we're all going for exotic holidays. So the, the producer's going to a caravan site in Bognor, and uh, she'll enjoy herself down there. Uh, and I'm going to um, Vegas in October. It's not for it. That's going to be my only holiday this year, I think. I'm not, I'm not a big holiday per. I don't do lying on beaches. I'm not one of these people who lies there looking a bit like a beached whale, you know. I mean, the, I was talking to Gary, who works on the reception here, and he's, he's getting married, and he's going off to Sharm El Sheikh. And I said, well, that's great. You'll love it. Lots of hot weather, but the booze is expensive. It's really, really expensive for booze. So now you know. Uh, the Wags will rebel against uh, Fabio Capello and join their men at the World Cup. Uh, and they've got a very old picture on the Daily Star today of Colleen and Victoria at the 2000... They don't speak. They've got nothing in... Co- Do you really think Victoria Beckham's got anything in common with Colleen? No, not at all. And Jeremy Clarkson turns 50 on Sunday. Can you believe that? That I'm... Oh, anyway. Uh, that uh, Jeremy Clarkson is only 50. I'm younger than Jeremy Clarkson. How funny is that? He's only 50. I thought he was about 60. I had no idea he's only 50. Why does he look so old? He's only 50. God, blimey, I thought he was way older than that. Perhaps they've made a mistake. Perhaps he's, perhaps he's 60 and they just haven't told him. Because they've invited him to join Saga. It's always a bit worrying, isn't it, really? Uh, Martina Navratilova in, uh, in all the papers today. Oh, and KFC... KFC have unveiled their gut-busting burger. And this one has got a bacon and cheese filling. There's no bun, it's two bits of chicken. It's got 1,228 calories. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. I'm back tomorrow. Don't forget, check out the, uh, the website, check out the blog, check out the podcast, do the whole bit. And uh, here he is, five times nominated after the news at seven. I'm not bitter or twisted in any way, shape or form. So here's this morning's business update with Chris Rogers. Thanks, Steve. Good morning. The FTSE will open after...